I'll just give you a little background. Back in uh, 2019, we started the year with a real intentional desire to increase our congregational participation in missions. That integrity would uh, have a greater desire to lovingly respond to people locally and globally in the name of Jesus. And we've done this. Even through a pandemic, you've served, you gave, and you reached out to others. And since that time, we've grown as a church. We uh, have taken on monthly support of seven uh, missions-based groups, uh, both locally and globally. And we've had numerous ongoing outreaches to those that needed to experience the love of Jesus. And I'm looking at 2023, and I'm saying as a church, we need to make a renewed effort to go further than we've gone before. As we start out 2023, setting the, the bar higher and, uh, and committing to reaching out in new ways, we want to become more of a missional church. We're starting this new year with a renewed sense of purpose and direction in our outreach. At the end of the message today, I want to share two opportunities that we have. One is as a church and one is on a personal level to reach out to others. I want to also share that, you know, going forward, our youth group has got a missions uh, week already planned down in Kentucky in the Appalachian Mountains in July. They'll be going down there. And, you know, sometimes disasters hit areas and they become big on the news, you know. And, um, but pretty soon they fade away and we're on to the next thing. But I know uh, they had massive floods down there and it's a very poor area. And uh, it's going to take them a long time to rebuild. So our youth group is going to be able to go down there and invest wow. in, uh, in rebuilding and helping them build. So what, what an exciting, yeah. And, you know, I want to encourage you. We need to get behind that. We need to give to that. We need to pray for that. We need to just really believe that God is going to use um, these young people in such a great way. I, I always loved doing missions outreach with, with teenagers because they'll do anything. They'll risk their life. <laughs> Seriously, they, they have no fear. They'll just do it. Oh, you want me to climb that ladder, you know, 40 feet in the air and paint? No, I'll do that. That's no... Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, some of our best moments, and I spent a lot of years in youth ministry, we're doing uh, things like that for other people. And you know, you meet people. I remember we did a uh, work camp upstate New York, and um, this lady, uh, she was in her probably late 80s. House was in total disrepair. Uh, we went there, we had a project list, and um, we went to the house, we introduced ourselves. She knew we were coming, and we just started doing it. Now, the neighbor was a little concerned because he was watching out for us. So he came over to me one day and said, I just want to ask you, who's paying for this? I said, we are. We're paying for this. You're kidding me. No. Kids gave, raised money. We did all kinds of work in their house. And then the, the, the cool thing was at the end of the week, they had a pig roast. And we, you know, we were with hundreds of kids doing all projects all over the place. So the idea was that you would invite the resident to come to the pig roast and they'd hear the gospel message. And I talked to her about coming. She says, I haven't been out at night in years. <laughs> I was like, well, if you want to go out, we want to take you. Man, she came out all decked out. <laughs> she had a great time and she heard the gospel. What she saw lived out during the week. I mean, I had kids doing stuff that, like, you know, 
My dad would never let me do this at home. <laughs> I was like, go ahead, man. Use that saw. Just be careful. <laughs> Great time. So keep our youth in, in prayer about that. Like I said uh, at the end of the message, I do want to share a couple opportunities. I was, I was thinking recently about the first time that I ever shared publicly. Now, I wasn't called into ministry at this point in my life. I was 19 years old. I was saved about a month. And uh, real, but God had tremendously changed my life. I mean, I can't even, you know, sometimes I think about it, I'm still amazed, you know, where I was going and heading and what I was doing and how God just took me. Now, I knew about God, all right? I grew up in church. I knew about the Lord. I knew the scriptures. I understood it, da da da, da but wasn't living it for sure. Totally going in the wrong direction. And so this man in my church, he had a Bible study at the city mission, and he said to me, I want you to come one night and share your testimony. Tell these people what God's done. And I said, okay. He says, pick a scripture that you like and kind of share your message and your scripture. So I, I picked Romans 1.16. And it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. In that point in my life, I was not ashamed of the gospel. I was, you know, God had, like I said, radically changed my life. And I was like, I knew I was on a trajectory to, to do whatever he wanted me to do. And so I go there that night, first time ever getting up in front of a group. I wasn't a, a, a spokesman. I wasn't a group guy. I still struggle with it. It's still something that, uh, you know, God keeps me humble about. But um, right in the front row, sitting right in front of me was a guy. This was kind of my first introduction to, like, mental illness. You know, he laughed through the whole message. I mean, it wasn't like I was being funny, you know? I was dead serious. And this guy was snickering and laughing at me. I felt like I was almost like facing the devil himself, you know? But I pressed on because I wasn't ashamed of the gospel, you know? Now, I finished up and I said, well, I'll never do that again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So over the years, God has certainly blessed uh, me and my wife in, in many opportunities to go to kind of non-traditional settings and uh, share the love of Christ. We've been involved in group homes. Uh, I did a ministry for years at the Sagamore Children's Center in Dix Hills. It was, it's a psychiatric hospital for adolescents. Um, it was a place where they send sex offenders. It was a place that they send... Uh, young people that uh, had tried to commit suicide, it was like they were very raw and on the edge. And we'd go there twice a month and we'd share the gospel with them. We never knew what was going to come out of it, you know what I mean? We'd, have, we'd share the message and then we had prayer time afterward. Now, they had to be, they had to choose to come, all right? They had to want to be there. And also, they had to be on good behavior. So, uh, I remember Janet Balsamo and Ralph, we used to go together and Janet. Reminded me yesterday of the story that happened to her. She was talking to this young lady after service and going to pray with her. And she says, so, you know, uh, what are you in? Are you here for depression? And she says, oh, no. I tried to murder my mother. Yeah. It's like Janet said she left me speechless. <laughs> but those are the kind of things. And those are what we faced when we went there. But, you know, God showed up all the time. It was amazing. I remember I went to an event uh, a few years later. And this young man walked up to me and he said, hey, I, I know you used to come to Sagamore. 
I said, yeah, man, who are you? He said, I, I was there. I was there. And he said, I want to thank you for coming and sharing the message. Changed my life. I never knew that, you know. So you just don't know. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. So I understand that the church faces profound challenges uh, in sharing the gospel within the, the culture that we live in. We live in a society full of unchurched people who don't know the basic tenets of Christianity or the redemptive story that's really laid out very clearly in Scripture. And then again, the church is at, at large has a poor reputation among non-Christians. Many hold distorted views of Jesus, the gospel, and traditional faith. And so they're biased before we even begin to have a conversation. I don't, I don't know if you've experienced that at all. You go to share with somebody and they're already, like, they're already ready to shut you down, you know? But I really believe that that doesn't change the message. And that shouldn't intimidate us. I recently read an article on Christianity Today and says, they, they said many Christians are reluctant to share the gospel either claiming that evangelism, evangelism isn't their gift or hiding in fear of potential rejection. In the light of these challenges that we face in our culture, <clears throat> how can our church, Integrity Church, share the good news of Jesus Christ with a dark world that desperately needs to hear it? I want to talk to you about you were made for mission this morning. In the words of Jesus in John chapter 17, and this is the the high priestly prayer that Jesus prays. He's praying for those that had come to know him. And he was getting ready to go to the cross and he wanted to cover them in prayer. And um, in verse 18, he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And Paul tells us in Acts 20, 24, he says, but I do not account my life as of any value as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. And it's to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And Paul is basically saying the most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work the Lord gave me to do, and it's to tell others the good news about God's grace. And you know, that message wasn't just for Paul. That message was for you and I. Now, the word evangelism is often misunderstood and and uh, I just want to simplify it and really say that, you know what evangelism is? What it really means? It means good news. And you and I are called to share the good news with others. Acts 1.8 says, you will be eyewitnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And sometimes when we hear that verse, we kind of focus on Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. We kind of try to figure out where that means. But I, I just want to take a couple of minutes this morning. Let's talk about that portion and that passage that says, you will be my witnesses. What is a witness? Witness is not a defense attorney. You don't have to defend the gospel. A witness is not a salesman or salesperson. A witness is somebody who just tells what they've seen or experienced. I saw this and then I saw that and this is what happened. And every one of us that's sitting here this morning has a story. Now, some of you, I know your story. And a lot of you, I don't. But you have a story. Some of you have never told your story. Some of you haven't shared your story because it's been so difficult for you to share that. But we all have a story to share. And you know what? There's people 
that need to hear our story. God wants to use our story. He wants you and I to tell other people what's happened in our lives. How we were lost and God found us. How we were in sin and God came and set us free and, and uh, has forgiven us. He wants us to tell others what the cross of Jesus Christ really means and how it's impacted our lives. We need to share the gospel, the good news. Now in Luke chapter 8, the subtitle of this chapter is A Man with a Demon. And I'm not going to read the story this morning. I just want to tell you about this. Okay, so let's back up to Luke chapter 7, the end of chapter 7. So Jesus and his disciples are traveling across, I believe it's the Sea of Galilee. They come to the middle of the, of the sea. It's at night. This big storm kicks up. They're going down. Jesus is in the boat sleeping. You probably heard the story. All right, and they go down. They wake Jesus like, don't you care if we perish? So Jesus comes up and says, you know, he calms the wind and the waves, and they're amazed. They said, who, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? And then they land on shore. Jesus gets out of the boat, and this guy comes running to him. Now he's totally unclothed, all right? So don't, don't try to picture that. Just take my word for it, okay? He's totally out of his mind. He's possessed by demons, all right? The Bible tells us in that passage that uh, they tried to subdue him. They tried to chain him. He'd break the chains, you know. He, spent, he lived in the tombs. He lived in the, in the cemetery. That's where, that's where he called home. He screamed and yelled all day. Cut himself with rocks. The guy was a mess. And he runs up to Jesus and he falls at his feet. And he knows who Jesus is. Now, he never met Jesus before. But those demons know who he is. And he falls at his feet and basically says, don't harm me. And Jesus commands the demons to come out of him, and he sends them into the herd of pigs. You know the story. They run down the hill, they throw themselves in the lake, and they, and they drown. And it said that um, the people, soon after that, it says that, um, I'm sorry, in verse um, 35, it says, Now we find them sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. What a dramatic change. And it said that the people were afraid. You imagine that? They were, now they're afraid. I'm sure they were afraid. Do you ever have that guy in your neighborhood that you really <laughs> you weren't sure about? <laughs> like you saw him, you're like, you know, like, oh, I got to get, get out of here, man. I'm not sure about him. This was the guy, man. He was yelling and screaming. He was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It was like now he's in his right mind. He's clothed and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus and they're afraid. They asked Jesus to leave. I can't, I, can't, I can't even begin to tell you what was probably going on in that community. All right. But it says in verse 38 and 39, the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. That's with Jesus. But Jesus sent him away saying, verse 39, return home and tell how much God has done for you. This guy wants to... He wants to travel with Jesus. He wants to be with Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, no, go home. Go back to your community. Go back to where you came from. Tell them what's happened in your life. And that's the gospel message. That's the, you know, that's, that, that's the story that we need to share about ourselves. Now, we may not have been to that extreme. But you know what? Every one of us has a story that needs to be shared with somebody. Every 
difficulty, every pain, every challenge that you've been through in life, if, you'd allowed, if you've allowed God to work through that in your life, you've got a story to tell. And there's people that need to hear it. And so our mission outreach starts at home in our communities, among friends and family, co-workers, neighbors, anyone that we cross our path, that crosses our path on our school campus, workplace, marketplace. It isn't enough just to care about people around us. Love demands that I get out of my comfort zone. The people with different backgrounds, different, even different levels of education, different socioeconomic status, reaching them right where they're at. And I must be willing to risk anything and everything to get that message out. 1 Corinthians 9-11, Paul said, to the weak I became weak and I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. And Paul was saying that we need to find common ground so that people will let us tell them about Christ. Now the scripture is clear that, you know, we're to go out and we're to tell others. So I have a kind of Sunday morning routine early. I get up, uh, I go to 7-Eleven, I buy a newspaper, and I go get my bagels and I go home. All right. So a few weeks ago, it's like 6.30 in the morning, I go into 7-Eleven, I get my paper, I, you know, five bucks for Newsday. Come on, man. You gotta be kidding me. And it's getting lighter every time I pick it up. <laughs> it's only $4.99, I tell them to keep the penny. All right, but I go, in, I go in a few weeks ago, and I'm paying for my paper, and I look at the guy behind the counter, and this guy looks like he's ready to explode. He's like, man, he's like, and I say, hey, buddy, you okay? He says, oh, man, I said, you seem really upset. And he starts telling me what he's upset about, you know? I mean, you know, I, I won't repeat the language, but it was definitely informative, you know? <laughs> and he's telling me, that, you know, he's frustrated with his job, he doesn't work there anymore, the guy that's supposed to come in and relieve him didn't come, and this and that, and he's like flipping out. So I'm just listening. And then I finally said to him, hey man, and nobody's in the store, I mean, God arranged this. I mean, it was just like, nobody's behind me, I'm just in there. I said, hey man, would you mind if I said a little prayer for you, with you? He said, yeah, so I prayed, and you know what? I saw his demeanor change. I saw peace come over him, you know? And I just told you, I, I just said to me, man, you know, sorry about your day, but, uh, you know, God loves you and he sees where you're at. He understands. He said, thanks. And I left, you know. Now, I'm not telling you that so you'll be impressed by me at all. But I'm telling you because we got a message to deliver. And believe it or not, as much as our culture says we don't want to hear it, it's a message that can set them free. They're so bound that they don't even know it. They're, they're in darkness so deep that they can't see their way out. And so we sang about it this morning. Can darkness overcome the light? No, it can't. No way. All right? If I was to shut all the lights out in this room and we would completely, like, black this room out, all I would have to do is just light a little candle. And over time, it would actually illuminate the whole room. And so we walk into a dark situation, but we shine the light and we show others. Real religion is reaching out to the homeless, the underdog, 
people that society ignores, the powerless, the poor, the left behind, the left out, the imprisoned, the orphan, the widow, the aged, the mentally ill, the social outcast, the sick. We've got such a variety of areas that we can share in. And I wonder sometimes, and I ask myself this question, if Jesus were here today, where would he be? Think about that for a minute. Where would he be? And whatever came into your mind, that's where we need to be. Because Jesus is there. And he wants us to go there. And so we need to realize that we have a great a message and a great opportunity. Jesus said to his followers in Mark 16, 5, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So I got to come to the conclusion that I'm not fishing. I'm really not following. And as we serve, and we need to ask ourselves another question, am I serving my generation, the purpose of God in my generation? We are here now for a reason. And it's not just that we would serve ourselves or we would accomplish great things in this life. Those are fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? But you and I have a higher calling. That's to serve him. Faithfulness in ministry isn't just keeping the doors of the church open, hoping that someone will come in. It means finding ways to take the good news to them, whether it's in our neighborhoods, even to a subculture, or people who may be really different from us. And there are a number of reasons why we need to uh, reach out. And I just want to share a few this morning. First of all, God called us to continue his mission. He called us to come to himself, and he called us to go for him. When we come, he says, come unto me all your labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Another passage says, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires the water of life without price. So he calls us to come to himself, come to me. And after we come to him, then he says, go for me, go into all the world. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is sending his disciples out. He said he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and perform healing. In Acts 5.20, says, go, stand and speak to the people in the temple, the whole message of this life. So we come out of Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends the 12 out, and then we go into Luke chapter 10, and he's sending the 72 out. He's commissioning him to go. And a scripture that we're very familiar with, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And so he sends the 72 out, and he gives them all power and authority, and they do amazing things. I mean, they come back, and they're like, they can't, Jesus, we can't believe it. I mean, you know. Even the spirits are subject to you. And he says, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your name is in the kingdom. And it says, the 72 returned with joy. See, when we give the message out, when we give the good news out, it brings joy into our life because that's what we've been called to do. Continue the mission. Now, this Wednesday night, and you'll hear in the announcements, we're having prayer on Wednesday night, and we're going to really focus on missions. We're going to... Set the year out, and we're going to say, you know, God, what, you know, as a church and as an individual, what do you want us to do? How, lead us, guide us, you know, show us what to do, and we'll be praying about that. A.B. Simpson said, prayer is the mighty engine that is to move the missionary work. Jesus said five times in five different ways in five different books that we're to go. So I kind of think 
He wanted us to get the message. And then we come to the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus has gone to the cross. He's risen from the dead. And he, um, he leaves a message and he tells them to go. And the Great Commission is not given to pastors. I just want to tell you. All right. It's really given to every follower of Jesus Christ. And we've heard it said, these words are not the great suggestion. It's the great commandment. If we're part of God's family, it's, this is for all of us. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So we're to be God's hand extended. We're to continue the mission. Your mission is with great privilege. Your mission involves great privileges, one working with God and also representing God. We get to partner with God in the building of his kingdom. I'm amazed at that. I'm just speaking for myself that God would even entrust that to me. You know, that's pretty cool. And um, not only do we get to partner with God in building his kingdom, because Paul calls us co-laborers with Christ. First Corinthians says we are God's fellow workers, that we get to represent who Christ is. He's entrusted us with the message. And your mission is the greatest thing that you can do for somebody else. Without Christ, people are hopeless, lost, and headed for an eternal separation from God. And only Jesus can save them. We need to go and tell them. I heard someone say, good news is only good if it gets there on time. Another thing is your mission has an eternal uh, significance. It will impact the eternal destiny of the people that we share with. It's more important than any job, achievement, or goal that you and I will reach in our lifetime here on earth. And the consequences last forever, for eternity. Your mission will give you your life meaning. William Jones said, the best use of life is to spend it on something that will outlast it. You and I weren't placed on this planet just to do nothing or to just live for ourselves. God invites us to participate in what he's doing in the world. Wherever we see God at work, it's an invitation to join him. Completing your mission will bring glory to God. The night before Jesus was crucified, he said to the Father, I have brought, glory, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And I wonder sometimes if we'll be able to say the same thing at the end of our life. God blesses a life dedicated to his kingdom. God said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. More than anything else, put God first and do what he wants. Then the other things that we need in life will be given to us. I want to suggest a simple prayer to start your morning. And just say, God, I know you're going to do some amazing things today in this world. I'd like to be privileged to be a part of that and see how God opens doors and gives opportunity. I'm not saying, you know, we, we need to, and like I said, it's not, you know, we don't need to go in like we got to defend the gospel or we got to, you know, it's got, it's, it's got to be a natural thing that happens in our lives, but it's got to be a place where we say, God, use me. Use me. Other thing is your outreach expresses the love of God. 
We know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so we can give without loving, but we can't love without giving. And Jesus calls us to reach out in the love of him. And I, I'm not a slogan guy, all right? I, you know, I, I mean, I grew up in church and we always had these like slogans, you know, every year they put up a big banner, you know, whatever rhymed with the year. And I'm not a, I never got into that. I was like, eh, it's corny, you know? And God gave me a slogan. <laughs> Imagine that. God, flow through me in 23. You're free to use that. It's an original. I didn't get it anywhere. Maybe someone else you. I don't know. But God, flow through me in 23 that we would come to a place where we'd really allow God to just use our life in such a special way. And so as we come to the end of the message this morning, I want to share two opportunities that we have. One is as a church, and the other one is on a more personal level. So um, Maureen's Haven is a homeless outreach out in Riverhead. And what they do between the months of November and April is they find churches or organizations that will open their building up at night so the homeless can come and they have a clean bed, meal to eat, and they can get clothing or whatever, and they send them back out. So Axis Church here in Medford, they turned their, uh, they had another facility in Port Jeff, it was an old church, the old Assembly of God Church. They tuned into a community center. So uh, Lucy and I went to see what was going on there. And, and uh, so every Thursday night, um, they host and open the building up. They have cots that are all set up, nice and clean, great area. And um, they have teams that come in, and mainly through their church, and they provide a meal for those that are there. Uh, they have uh, some people can stay during the night if they want to just to watch over, make things okay. They have a, have a need for a guy upstairs who's a security person. You don't have to be a you know, licensed police officer or anything. You can just provide, you know, and they've never had an event. Okay, just somebody that knows what to do if something does go on. They'll instruct you. And I said, how's it going? I mean, you know, it's once a week. I'm, you know, she goes, it's, it's hard because we can't get the staffing. So I offered us without even asking you. <laughs> Here's the deal, okay? We need people to provide a dinner, all right? And it can be, you know, you can, you can join with others. It doesn't have, the whole dinner doesn't have to be on you or whatever. There's about 15 ladies that come. They come at 5 o'clock. Uh, they eat at 6. Uh, you can serve dinner and make it for them. You can sit down and have dinner with them, stay with them a while, usually to about 9 o'clock. And then they have staffing that comes in from 9 to 1 and from 1 to 5 that stay with the women. Uh, they have security upstairs. And then they clean up at the end of the, end of the night. They take all the bedding, and uh, we don't have to be involved in this. They take it to the laundromat. They serve them breakfast. They give them a bag lunch, and they're back out. What a great opportunity that we have. It's, it's a women's shelter. It doesn't have to be all women that are there. But uh, we, we can go and we can make a meal. If you want to be a part of that, see me. I, I, I want to get involved in this. I want, to, I want to do this. Okay. And the other thing that I want to suggest is I'm calling this my bag of love. Okay. Now, I'm not advertising for Target, so 
just the bag happened to be convenient. I've packed this bag, and it has all kinds of stuff in it. It has toilet paper and wipes, razor, shaving cream, uh, uh, clean socks. It's got soup in there, peanut butter and jelly. Uh, if you, it's, uh, it's got uh, chicken in the can. If you're going to buy the canned goods, make sure they got the lid that pops off. Because nobody out there is carrying can openers, okay? And I've also included, um, there's other stuff in here. I've also included the Father's Love Letter. I don't know if you ever read that or not. It tells you from Scripture that God saw you from the beginning. He knows you. He loves you, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful writing. And um, we can travel around with this in our car, you know. And you can, I, I, I promise you this. If you pack a bag like this and you're looking, you're going to find. Okay? If we're not looking, we could just pass by and say, oh. But can you imagine just giving this bag to somebody and saying to them, I just want to tell you God loves you today, you know. And I want to leave you with this and, and, you know, ask them, you know, you can ask them, hey, can I have a prayer with you or whatever? Or you don't have to, I'll pray for you later or whatever. But you're leaving them with a real practical bag full of love, the love of Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm ready to get somebody going, all right? So I'm, I want to give this bag away this morning. If somebody says, that's me, I want to do that, come and see me afterward. The bag is yours, Okay. And then I want to hear the story that comes out of that because I believe that God's going to use that in a mighty way. He'll not only use it in our life because we're fulfilling the call that we have to get the gospel out, but it'll also be a tremendous blessing to somebody else. Let's plan this year, seriously, to really look for ways that we can share Christ with others. God will give us opportunities. The opportunities are, are unlimited. When you begin to be want, wanting to be used by God, he'll show you. And you know what? It'll be a joy to do it. You'll come out of it knowing you fulfilled what you've been called to do. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you this morning for this opportunity, Lord, to share with uh, this church, Lord, Integrity Church. And God, as we um, look forward to the new year and Lord, we don't know what lies ahead for us on a personal level. But God, we're purposing that we'll reach out in a greater way. That we'll be a church that goes and sends and, Lord, uh, is involved in other people's lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd give us the creativity that we need to do that. You'd give us opportunity. And, Lord, you'd give us a boldness to speak the words of truth. Lord, that your work on the cross, that we would value it so much that we'd be willing to share it with somebody else. And so I pray in Jesus' name that you bless your people. Lord, help us this year to really represent you and serve you in a greater way. In Jesus' name, amen.